When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series, Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflet. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas, Michael. And as always, you can call us the front of the plane because we are all business to begin with. You can follow this podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. You can also follow either of your hosts if you'd like to do so at It's Adam Nicholas for me on Twitter or you can follow Michael Hamflet. At Michael Hamflet. Um, you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can follow on Spotify. You can subscribe on Acast. You can listen pretty much anywhere online that do podcasts. Podcast Horseman will be there. And as always, for special season three only, we will be inducting somebody new into the Hollywood Talk of Fame. A little reminder if this is your first episode. And if this is your first episode, got to say, go all the way back to the beginning, listen to them all first. Um, for special season three only, we will be inducting somebody into the Hollywood Talk of Fame, which is normally reserved for leaving five star bits of feedback. We still welcome those, but for one season only, it's going to be done through retweeting the podcast link that goes up every Friday when we release this podcast. Uh, you can find that on at Podcast Horseman. It's a little Acast link embedded. Retweet that and you could be inducted as somebody will be later on in the episode. Ooh, very <laughs> exciting stuff. Hey, no matter what happens, it's always exciting, this, isn't it? We yeah. love oh, to I... see who's who's going to turn up at the end of the episode. I don't know. You just pull it out your arse at the last minute. I just don't have a hat, so I've got to go to my arse. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a hat, but you, you are far away from me, so I guess I'll let you off with that one. But let's jump into the Netflix synopsis, shall we? Uh, we are on episode seven of season three. This episode is called Stop the Presses. Todd builds a giant papiamashia Todd head. A customer service rep gives Bojack some sound advice when he tries to cancel his newspaper subscription. I was trying to cut with the paper pun there, but I have fallen short. I am popping at that being the Netflix synopsis, because <laughs> I like that they, uh, as it's a story about the press, they don't bury the lead in talking about the giant papier-mâché head, because glorious classical music greets us in the start of this episode of Bojack, and the sight of this giant Todd head against a stunning Hollywood vista with the sun in the background, um, as, as Bojack wakes by his pool, wearing the head. He is risen up as if from death, wearing this paper mache head. Uh, he walks through his house, having got rid of the giant Todd head, which is flooded with people. There's Todd, there's Emily, there's Mr. Peanut Butter. They're setting up Cabra Cadabra 
gradually making it to his front door, Bojack, through all the sort of the hustle and bustle of this new company that obviously Todd and Emily agreed they would try and set up, where he trips on a copy of the LA Gazette, uh, stood by his front door. Uh, we then cut to a deserted LA Gazette office. Picture as if it's been in maybe Die Hard or something like that. It's a war-torn scene of what used to be a thriving, obviously, a newspaper. Now it's just reduced to two or three people working at desks with various flames and empty chairs just filling the room. All grey, all browns. Lovely stuff. Great visual. Uh, of the failing media empire where one sad young staffer is listening to Bojack's complaint about having this paper every day. As it turns out, Bojack has never subscribed. He doesn't know why he gets this paper and he wants shot of that. The, uh, the young sort of staff of the intern goes in to speak to somebody called George Tickle, who is keyed on the screen <laughs> as being the customer service advisor. He is in an equally glum office, slightly away from the main office floor, but it's no more of a joyous position. There's just old episodes and old issues of the newspaper stacked high. Um, it doesn't look like a particularly happy time. They have a conversation speaking of whether or not they should go to the closer. Obviously, you know, we imagine from a sales background, somebody that can hopefully keep Bojack subscription active, uh, as well as a series of special offers that he's checking that he's run through first, panicking specifically after Bojack turned down the free tote bag, because who would <laughs> turn down the free tote bag? Uh, George Tickle realising that he needs to take this out of the intern's hand. Uh, <laughs> rings Betty Bruce, who is the vice president of the newspaper, who cuts through a crowd of people uh, to get to the closer herself. They realise it's only the closer that can save the day. There's a fabulous gag here. Uh, so we see Betty Bruce walking through this corridor and she's saying, hello, good morning, hello, good morning, to so all these pairs of shoes in suit trousers and then says, get out of my way, to one pair of high heel shoes by the door. As if to suggest that the only other woman in any sort of, in this literal corridor of power, doesn't warrant her respect. But she arrives at the closer's door. Uh, she passes the message on to the closer, who we only view from behind a chair, we see a hand. If you've ever seen Inspector Gadget, it sort of resembles the claw. Um, all you see is a hand, a phone, and a monitor, and a chair. So there's an immediate sort of sense of a supervillain built up about the closer. But she picks up the phone to Bojack, who is still full of fury about this paper, and she replies, quote, hello, good morning, and I say this with 100% sincerity, how can I help you? Uh, we hit the credits on quite a remarkable reveal of the closer. And indeed, something so stupid, but at this point, episode seven, season three, we're trained to understand is going to be bigger than the sum of its parts. Yeah, I love the introduction. I, I said, I think I said it on the last episode of Podcast Horseman, this is an episode I'd actually forgot about, uh, but whenever I remember it exists, I'm always excited because I love the narrative device here. The closer character, as you are about to find out, is one who's a welcome addition. I would say, to the, the world of Bojack Horseman. And from the get-go, I think absolutely everybody on the planet will see the way the closer is presented and immediately think of Dr. Claw from Inspector Gadget. It is that synonymous, the look. It's one arm, it's a chair shot from just over the shoulder where you can only see that it's brilliantly done. Even at the point where I think the ring on her finger is the same place <laughs> as good. it would be on Dr. Claw's hand. There's a little sneaky little tidbit from horsing around ahead of time. But genuinely, the build-through of this is great because they make it out like... We've seen Pinky Penguin struggling mm -hmm. in the publishing industry, and that was in season one. So to see the LA Gazette is still managing to survive in season three, no less, when the world has changed dramatically, it's almost impressive. It's, uh, it's a bare-bones operation, but it's why they need the closer to keep Bojack on the hook. But he is... Livid with the situation, he's still desperately trying to lodge his complaint 
but it's rattled immediately by the closer somehow being able to summon ice water by drone into his hand. That immediately changes the power dynamic between the two because it's clear that the closer can offer Bojack something, even if it's not the paper that he particularly wants. Um, we see, though Bojack isn't aware of this, all of his personal details on her monitor so that she can maybe try and get into his head a little bit. Um, but uh, So obviously Bojack's details are all there. But he notes the whole time that the papers weren't such a problem because Todd's been making the papier-mâché ahead. Um, at least at that point, he's, they had a purpose, which is nice because, again, it suggests that the LA Gazette has no purpose as an actual newspaper anymore, only for someone's arts and crafts if they don't even notice. Um, but what this does is it gives us the first excuse to cut to a flashback, which is the device they're going to use a lot in this episode. Flashback within a flashback within a flashback to always come back to Bojack speaking to the closer as the central fugal point of all of this. Um, the flashback takes us to uh, why... Todd made the head. Um, he was woken in the night by someone or something stealing their food. Uh, that's all we see for the time being. We flash back forward uh, to Bojack on the phone again with the closer um, and notes that uh, he abandoned making the head because he was going to make a Todd head to apparently scare off the uh, whoever it was that was stealing the food before Bojack raised a fairly salient point that would a giant head of me scare off you? Uh, but it was too late at this point the head was made. He abandoned that plan when he got started with Cabra Cabra Cadabra, um, at which point the close says, what's Cabra Cadabra? So then we get another flashback where Bojack is asking Mr. Peanut Butter, what's Cabra Cadabra? Leading to another flashback where Mr. <laughs> Peanut Butter is asking Todd what, and Emily, what is Cabra Cadabra? They're pitching to him in the style that Mr. Peanut Butter and Todd would normally pitch. Has this ever happened to you? They've got the stage car situation where Emily is playing the uncomfortable passenger with Todd as, as like pervy driver. Uh, Mr. Peanut Butter... <laughs> first assumes that the business model of the pitching, uh, because without male drivers, it must be robots, surely. But then he has immediate, <laughs> has immediate concerns that these robots would become sentient and murder them, or worse, unionise. But then Todd shocks him with the prospect of female-only drivers. Mr Peanut Butter naturally loves the idea. Um, his mind is a little bit blown by the prospect of a cab company staffed only by women drivers, but he's obviously on board, which takes us back to the flashback where Peanut Butter has explained it to Bojack. Um, they do an absolutely terrific bit here when Bojack asks why they're doing this at his house instead of Mr. Peanut Butter's. Mr. Peanut Butter notes that his house is full of spaghetti strainers and how eventually that might have a great payoff because it wouldn't be such a big order otherwise. They just leave that one there uh, to fester in the episode. A lovely bit of meta commentary on how every time we've been at Mr. Peanut Butter's, it's still full of the spaghetti strainers and he seems to be the only one that can't remember why that might be. Um, we're back again to present day of the closer asking uh, why he let them use the house. And this is where we get quite a significant bit of plot from a couple of episodes ago. Bojack has admitted he's got feelings of guilt towards Todd because, big reveal, him and Emily had sex after the wedding. And um, we saw them kind of come together at the bar over a drink. And it was really well delivered. The, uh, the hay that often greets... A terrible situation. Bojack's monosyllabic greeting to one character that can often lead to disastrous circumstances indeed happened as we thought it may. Uh, they did indeed have sex, and it's after the sex where they're having the conversation where Emily is, is like racked with guilt over the fact that she's going to have to see Todd and they're going to have to address this. But Bojack convinces that they shouldn't tell him. Uh, tries to kind of gaslight her a little bit, I guess, in suggesting that um, Todd will feel disappointed and it's only to kind of get the guilt out of her system rather than just for Todd's benefit. Um, she kind of 
doesn't really get it, but just about agrees to go along with it. But that takes us back to the old flashback where they're all back in Bojack's house. And you can see the horrific, horrific awkwardness between them in the room. Uh, the guilt is sort of exploding out of Emily. Bojack is struggling to cope with it. Luckily, Todd um, is kind of not entirely blind to it, but at least tone deaf to the, the style of the conversation that Bojack and Emily are having. <laughs> Mr. Peanut Butter thinks he's cracked it and it appears as if he's going to reveal everything, but it turns out he hasn't got a clue. Um, he's just sort of, he sort of, they build to a big moment where he's going to reveal the whole secret and he says, I too think the business is going to be a great success, but I don't want to jinx it. And they get away with that one. But in a really nice detail in the animation, you can see Todd's eyes persistently darting between Emily and Bojack and Emily and Bojack as if he's kind of on the verge of figuring out what he could have done with Mr. Peanut Butter to give him the clue. Um, just before we kind of wrap this particular act of this episode, even though it's kind of played as one giant one, we're back to the closer chat where she asks him outright why he slept with Emily. Um, Bojack doesn't attach any meaning to sex because he just never does, even though the closer immediately responds with the idea that it could just be a tender moment of love between two people. It's something that just doesn't compete with Bojack. Um, she really accurately psychoanalyzes him in this very small pocket of time, um, but he kind of like brushes all off and says, oh, it's just because he's a dumb asshole. She nails his <laughs> self-destructive tendencies over the course of 20 seconds. Again, you're kind of constantly being reminded that she is the expert saleswoman, she's never given a name other than the closer. She is designed to keep people subscribing to the LA Gazette when we have been advised that absolutely nobody wants this newspaper. So it's almost a skill of hers to be able to drill into Bojack's personality that quickly. And yet the way she nails it helps them build a bit of a trust and build a bit of a relationship. Um, it's quite remarkable as well. The, the staging of this scene is great. So it's all been very light. And obviously the multiple flashbacks have been for the purposes of jokes and to kind of reduce even something serious like Bojack and Emily sleeping together to quite a... A trivial elements of the plot and yet as soon as she drills deep into the bojack that we know that she's never even met that foreboding music creeps into the background again and he cuts it off dead because he has to go to a marketing meeting and that's that moment where you remember where you see yet again another character has gotten to the nub of bojack and at the point at which he might be scared with what he's about to hear he has the perfect out to get away from it for now yeah, whenever you get that, we've talked about it before, and whenever you hear those piano keys going, man, you know that we're starting to get a little bit too close to an uncomfortable zone, I guess, for Bojack, and he tends to gallop away in quite <laughs> a quick and uh, erratic fashion, I think it's fair to say. Really palms this off. I love the way the closer is as good as she believes, as good as we are kind of made to believe that she is. She really gets down to the bone of everything of him within a very small window of time, let's be honest. <laughs> I also love how you could actually mistake that Todd, Bojack, Mr. Peanut Butter and Emily conversation. Like like it's some sort of Christopher Nolan-esque inception, isn't it? <laughs> At the point where we get so many flashbacks within a flashback and a flashback. You're not sure where you are, mm. but you're having a good time finding out the ridiculousness <laughs> of it all. And I just, Todd and Emily together, by the way, on screen, like their friendship and just the way they work together. Something I picked up on fairly swiftly, but... Seeing the way them operating, them pitching their idea to Mr. Peanut Butter was great, wasn't it? It's really sweet, actually. Yeah. They've got um, you're right to kind of like it's almost like a physical chemistry where you forget you're watching an animation because you believe it. The relationship feels very lived in between the two of them, and yet Bojack is now well, he's not the elephant in the room, he's the horse in the room because of everything that's already gone on. Such a small thing and theoretically quite inconsequential, but 
again, it's that shades of grey where maybe Bojack didn't think that a further new relationship would develop between Emily and Todd, and he was able to convince himself that this was an okay, rational decision. And now they've come together after the fact, he's thinking, oh, this is a bit of bad luck. It, do- it doesn't entirely feel like this is as... It's certainly not as big as the sabotage that you used no. Margot Martindale with in season no, no. one. It's different, but it, the consequences are the same. They are, and I think it's funny because Todd gives off a vibe that he's not interested, doesn't he? That's how yeah. kind of how this comes across. Uh, if, you, if you recall, he frantically goes into his apartment and doesn't want to end up yes. uh, having relations <laughs> with uh, <laughs> with Emily, and that's how she ends up with Bojack. Bojack and her, obviously, to be fair, two adults, more than yeah. happy to do whatever they want to do, but I'm, I guess it goes, it harks back to how good they are with this show and how good they are at making us focus and care about certain things because that we've seen them communicating before but seeing how good the relationship was between Todd and Emily I don't think that's by accident obviously in mm. this episode they really hammer at home how well they work together how positive the outcome is when they're together we we're getting this uh, cadabra thing together that's all they're doing as a team and yet now we have this massive thorn in the side that is Bojack Horseman's penis <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I wasn't ready for that surprise penis. Um, <laughs> yes, the call was stopped, not because of a surprise penis, but because of a planned marketing <laughs> meeting. Isn't that always the way? Um, yeah, he has to end the call that day because he's got a marketing meeting to go to. And one day later, through an informative graphic on the screen, he's actually called the closer back. He does want to continue the conversation. This wasn't just his typical escape hatch tactic. Um, she asked him how the meeting was, uh, and he says, weird. We get another flashback, this time to the market meeting. Uh, Diane has arrived late. It's a room that also features Miss uh, Princess Carolyn and Lenny Turtletop and Bojack and Anna. Obviously, it's a market meeting for Secretariat. Um, Diane arrives late and tells a long and largely irrelevant and quite funny story of why she was late. There's a series of delays, a series of things that she has to go back and address, things like that nature. Um, and Bojack within the room says, why did you tell us that whole story? And Diane says, I don't know. And then we flash back to the closer. He says... Why did you tell me that whole story? And Bojack says, I don't know. <laughs> so that was just a terrific bit of use of the device. Yeah. And an interesting sort of, there's a subtext to this about how much Bojack still listens to Diane and takes on her every word when we know that he's often the least present person in the room. I thought that was yeah. a really nice way to tell that story that everything that she says still carries such weight with him that he brings that with him. And even when it serves no purpose, he's passing this on to a third party that would have no possible interest. Uh, anyway, back in the room, Bojack, Anna, Princess Carolyn, Lee, Turtletop and Diane are debating the For Your Consideration Secretariat posters. Um, and despite most of them hating one particular design, Bojack takes a shine to one an ad that is just a mirror that says, you are Secretariat. Really well shot this. It's over the shot of Bojack. So you can see him looking at this mirrored shot. He looks deeply sad as it looks back at him. And in his mind, this tells the story of Secretariat. It tells the story of the film, what he was trying to get across in the film before obviously he was replaced by a digital version of himself. Um, Ultimately, he's just struck by his own sadness and he tries to sell them on it. Um, they're not all convinced. They list off a series of very business-like reasons why it just probably won't track with the right markets and things like that. Um, but enough of all that. Anyway, because we cut to Bojack and Anna having sex in his car, uh, that, is, uh, that is an intentionally harsh cut from meeting to car where they're having sex on his chair in the driver's seat. Uh, and it's done as much as anything to fill us in on where that relationship progressed to and indeed where to fill the closer in on where that relationship has progressed to. Uh, he's reiterating all of this in the 
grisly detail, including the car sex, to the closer. Uh, and a conversation that he has with Anna about not being able to know her life outside of work. Um, but he briefly snaps out of that to remember to cancel his LA Gazette uh, subscription. Um, the closer throws him off that by getting back to his dormant guilt over Emily. It's bouncing all over the place. Again, it's the closer using those distraction methods that you often imagine salespeople to use. And indeed, in this case, armchair psychiatrists. Um, back to the guilt over Emily. And how Bojack hasn't been able to sleep with them both there in the house. Obviously, Pan and Cabra Zabra just bonding again as friends, as former partners. Uh, he can't sleep in the house. So he, he seems kind of like walking through, tired through his house, and he resolves to sleep on his boat, which again, thanks to the soundtrack, which is just marvelously laid over the top of it. Um, we're instantly full of reminders of what happened on there. He takes a long, hard, pregnant pause as he climbs that ladder. A angry dejected sigh the music players and all we're left to think about is how that boat still labeled escape from la is the last thing he can escape from he can't even escape his house to have a sleep on there because you and i and everybody are reminded of what very nearly happened on that boat and why he's even had to bring it back to la in the first place he goes into the room and a rocket launcher is thrust in front of his face is it is it perhaps charlotte that has stayed on there ever since no, no, it's character actress Margot Martin. <laughs> she is, uh, <laughs> the closer needs catching up on that and uh, why exactly Margot's on that boat before we can even try and get back to what was happening in the car with Anna. And he explains the, through the story of the flashback that Margot's been hiding on there since she shot up that museum back when uh, Bojack was trying to get the shot in season two. Uh, she first did some regional theatre, but was too good uh, that she uh, was getting some reviews. Had to hide out on network television on The Good Wife, but was so good at that that she, quote, disappeared into the role. Bojack can't understand why somebody on an ABC show would be uh, able to hide in plain sight, at which point Margot used excuse to mock him for being a bad actor. She says, quote, you should try it sometime. Uh, <laughs> it turns out that she was the one who Todd saw stealing food too, which kind of neatly wraps up that little subplot, which was only really for the excuse to Todd to make a giant head for Bojack to be asleep in. Um... Bojack kind of just lets her crack on in his boat, doesn't care, manages to go to sleep by his pool, which is, of course, where he went to sleep in the head, which gave us the opening shot. And we're kind of back round to start again. Um, another brilliant shot just before we kind of like reach the end of the act is like a weathered Bojack head floating through his house. Um, mirrors the opening credits in a way, but the scenes behind him are not of him getting used to his day and getting his clothes on and whatever and going out. It's just of an enthusiastic Todd and a guilt-ridden Emily bouncing around him uh, he's trying to blur the both of them out because neither of them particularly issues he wants to particularly confront um and when he gets back when he gets by the pool he puts the head on and he goes to sleep that's the last we get of the todd head um but a really cute way to bring that into the show if only yeah. for that really nice shot of him trying to escape the self-made chaos of what now exists not just in his boat but in his own house yeah absolutely i mean it does a lot to take in there in that particular passage but um I feel like I feel like we we get the payoffs. I mean the the, Mar the Margot Martindale payoff, man. Like you, you knew they were gonna. It's from the second we start this episode and we see the Papier Mache head, like the head of Todd. You're like, okay, what what's going on here? Like we know Todd's into some weird stuff, but this <laughs> was especially like, okay, what's gonna be the big payoff here? And if someone had asked me at the beginning. Margot Martindale in Bojack's board was not on my list of things that this was going to be the payoff for, I have to be honest. But I'm very glad it was. Very glad it was. Always nice to see Margot. But um, 
Bojack, this constant life he lives of just, it's, they always make it feel like it's, you think it's this little thing in front of him that he's dealing with, but it's always the much, much bigger thing outside. You could say, Michael, like his problems are as big as a fucking paper mache head, Michael, on top of his own head. I thought there was something quite cute um, in the literal of that gag as well. It's almost like you can only properly switch off when he's in someone else's head. He's in somebody else's head, yeah. So if he's in his own, or when he's, he's, no or when he's just not in his head. I think it's yeah, more important. He's thing. not in his head. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was like, and and yeah, the, again, just to, I don't want to understate this really, I undersell it. The shot of him trying to what, like, how they present Todd's enthusiasm and Emily's panic as just the noise of Bojack's life. It it feels yeah. you feel the claustrophobia of it, and you kind of. Again, it's like how they make you empathise with him. It's all of his own doing. But again, when he gets that, when he finally thinks, oh, the Toddhead, that's going to bring the darkness. You're glad for him and you're kind of with him in trying to shut out the noise of everything. Right? It's like a nice little artistic moment for sure. That's, it's, never, yeah. it's never short on them. It's but full of them, yeah. Um, yeah, we're back to the conversation with the closer, jumping all over the shop and he tries to cancel yet again. But the closer remembers that there's still a conversation in her back pocket and it's the one with Anna. Um, it's back to the chat with Anna in the car. Um, Bojack is drilling for more information about Anna's private life. Um, and she reveals in just the most frantic fashion, almost um, to try and get him off her back more than anything else. She just drops into a conversation that she was married once. She has a son she's not allowed to see. And most shocking of all, her favourite fruit is honeydew. I mean, if that's not got you run out of the car there and then, clearly, <laughs> clearly Bojack is game. But yeah, like honeydew gag aside, substantial revelations that, like much, much like the missing body in New York, Anna tries to toss off as kind of irrelevant and meaningless because that's not what their relationship is about. Their relationship is about what we're seeing in front of us right now, which is this kind of twisted psychosexual power dynamic between the couple while they're working together on the Oscar chase. But Bojack kind of like forces the issue to the point where he ends up not getting enough from Anna. So Anna leaves um, leaves their tryst and Bojack quietly follows her in the car. Uh, we see her pull up, out, we see him pull up outside of her a block of flats and using his trusty labelled trademark spy shit, he finds her in a relatively small apartment being, quote, normal. Uh, she's making some tea. She spills some mac and cheese on her jumper and he says, quote, to the closer, it's so sad when you see someone as they really are and it ruins them. Oh, cuts like a knife, that one. Um, the closer asks brilliantly at this point, considering what they've already discussed, if he has a psychiatrist or somebody to talk to. Um, but he says he just wants control of his own life, which is why he wants to cancel the goddamn paper. If he can just cancel his paper, he gets a little bit of control. Uh, it's at this point that Margot pops back into shot to say she's off on the lamb again. She's going to take his boat because she's been nominated for an award due to her acting in The Good Wife. Uh, Meanwhile, the closer uh, somehow manages to re-sign Bojack for another six months and gives him the free tote bag, which he thanks her for. That's mm. the number that she's done at this point. Um, should point out at this point, obviously, now that the conversation's ended with the closer, everything is happening in real time rather than through the series of flashbacks that we've had. So the kind of the episode wraps up all the, the threads that it's uh, left out in this episode. So Emily goes to Todd to say that she can no longer work on uh, Cabra Cadabra. Uh, she can't be in the house even. Todd thinks it's him, but she immediately says, no, it's not you. Um, I don't think I've been a good friend to you. Things happened. 
and I don't think Bojack's been a good friend to you either. That, for a change, is all Todd needs. We are a long way removed from the days of the red rope. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, the wire. We're a long way removed from that now. Todd gets it with just an inference rather than even need to be told what happened. But he won't let uh, her be bought out of the company. He won't let her disappear from Cabo Dabbit. He wants to stick with her. He wants to stick with it. Um, there's a strength there that comes with the acceptance of Bojack not being that good friend, which is sad, but quite nice to see that Todd's had his metal tested by it and he seems to have come through the other side this time. Meanwhile, back to Bojack, who's gone around to Anna's and pleads with her um, to stay over, to stay the night, to make this more of a serious relationship than just having sex in the car, than just doing it for the benefit of the Oscar thing. She is obviously very rattled by him seeing the real version of her, almost as if she's as conscious too that she would be ruined, that her aesthetic would be ruined, as Bojack suggested. Um, and while he's on a bit of a roll, while he's actually being earnest, while he actually cares, he pushes the secretariat ad that he liked back in the uh, the meeting. He's flexing his top star muscles. Um, Anna is clearly very impressed with this. Um, but the, uh, the cut of the reveal of that ad finally being shown on the big billboard on the highway comes with that familiar death toll bell that always spells terrible news, always in an instant. It's always quick fire and it's always deadly. Diane, uh, Lenny, Princess Carolyn, Bojack and Anna are all staring at the mirrored billboard on the highway and it's a total disaster. It only mirrors the sky or at one point the offices of KISS FM or in some cases Diane points out the sun and that could be a real big problem at rush hour. Um, Lenny furiously and sardonically notes at last Bojack got what he wanted, at which point a bird flies into it, presumably to its death, to which Lenny just goes, whoa. And the episode ends on the noise of Lenny being grossed out by the dead bird. Some uh, uh, 30 minutes with such pathos and such power, Bojack doing some bad and then trying to rectify it by doing some good. And it ends with Lenny being grossed out by a dead bird because yet again, people have people have listened to an artist for five goddamn seconds and look at the outcome. Hollywood's broken and Lenny's been in the game too long. There's a phrase you haven't used in a while with this show, the drag before the gag. One that was <laughs> made famous in earlier seasons of Podcast Horseman has taken a bit of a backseat recently, but uh, there was a lot, I felt like there was a lot of that going on in this episode of just like, right on the knuckle, sort of deep diving on Bojack and the, the people around Bojack, and then always just just placated a little bit with a, a massive gag, right? <laughs> and that was a perfect way to end the episode. Throughout all of this, though, I couldn't help but just think about how relevant uh, it was. This is a phone call, isn't it? Like, like a, the connection like of being on the phone with someone at a time when he probably needs to talk to somebody whether he wants to admit it or not, let's be honest. And I just kept going back to the um the fish out of water episode and that like the the letter he wrote to Kelsey mm. and just that little line in this terrifying world all we have are the connections we make. And in this episode it is literally entirely centered around a connection he's made. It's a trivial one. It's yeah. one that he didn't actually make either technically he didn't subscribe or didn't want to subscribe or it wasn't an issue about subscribing until he wanted to be out of it because he mm. had all the paper he needed. I just thought it was just brilliant. Like, obviously the closer isn't talking to Bojack because she cares, or certainly not why we think she cares. That doesn't seem to be it. She wants to keep him on the, like, on the newspaper's payroll, essentially. But ultimately, 
this is probably the most connection Bojack has ever had. And it felt quite telling that it came with someone who he's never, ever seen before and who has never, <laughs> ever seen him before. Do you know what I mean? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. He's, um, he gives her that. He kind of gives away himself with that last line about Anna. And before, which is, I, I really like that about how they sort of like shape the story of this episode. You think that Bojack's, again, a piece of shit in it. Like, it's quite a caustic thing to say about somebody is when you see them for who they are, it ruins them. Um, yeah. And Every they kind day. of they subvert that because that's what he's given to the closer. But what he gives to us, the viewer, is that he wants to embrace that. And he wants mm. to change. He wants to change that perspective. He wants to, like, stare into it, I guess. He's not going to run away from that notion. He's going to look nope. and see, hang on, do I like normal? I want a bit of normal. Um, and it's Anna that he puts on the spot, like to, to kind of question that thought process. I thought that was like a nice way of doing it where, again, as you say, that relationship with the closer, it's not real, is it? No. So he can, he, it's, he non, can, it's non-committal on his end, isn't it? It's non-committal yeah. completely. He can say a very Bojack thing, and when he says it to Diane, it cuts deeper than anybody. And when he says it to Mr. Peanut Butter, it really matters because that character wears the scars. When he says it to Todd, it can be absolutely crushing. When he says it to the closer, the closer can cope. And then we, the viewer, get the rare salve of Bojack actually trying to right his own wrong, which I thought was quite a, again, quite a unique thing to do when in doing that, he finally gets a bit of confidence, gets to deliver this. And I want that ad. I want that ad. And they take that away from me instead. Yeah. That's how you never- do that. You never get that moment, do you? That's what we've learned in Bojack. It's like, just when you think you're going to get your couple of seconds, you don't get it because ultimately that's not how the world works, is it? You no. can't just, you don't just get the choose to be, it always goes back to Diane about uh, good and bad, as she says to Bojack on the roof. I don't think there's good people and bad people. That's just the stuff that you do and that's it. And that it's so many times we see this where Bojack decides to make the quote unquote right decision he wants to, do something that's in a positive in the positive column, mm. but it doesn't matter because that's not how the world works. It doesn't <laughs> just mean you automatically get 
good vibes back from the universe. Sometimes you just get a bird flying into a giant <laughs> mirror that is inevitably going to burn a lot of people with a ray of sun at some point in the not too distant future. <laughs> that age old message. <laughs> the classic of the genre. The <laughs> I know it's always been in the back of my mind, that one. So is that you? Is that all of you? For- that is it. We kind of, uh, you know, it, we. I feel like we raced through this, but I feel like this episode raced along at a hell of a clip. Um, it was quite nice in the plot that it covered and the ground it covered for the characters because things moved along in this one. Significant plot developments were played through a conversation between Bojack Horseman and a stranger rather than the actual chats with the people he needs to have them with. I thought that was very cute for this one. Me too. And I really like the way that they sort of, they used Bojack watching Anna almost as a, as a Bojack. For me, it was almost Bojack watching himself because he he wants people to accept him for all his, in all of his weird, mm. like oh, he would like it in the end for someone to accept him in when he's in his sweats, when he's eating mac and cheese and he rips yeah. the packet and it bursts all over him. And he'd like them to stay. Do you know what I mean? His, his ripping mac and cheese, unfortunately, is trying to sleep with an underage girl on a board. It's slightly different, but that's that's what his ripping a mac and cheese on his jumper is. It's, it's yeah. a whole other kettle of fish. But I feel like he keeps looking at that and that's what he wants from this. Because if he can get it with Anna, then maybe, just maybe, he can get it for himself. Although... Who knows at this point, because it's Bojack <laughs> goddamn horseman, Michael, and he's an absolute dick. Anyway, <laughs> shall we go and do some horsing around? I think it's yes, about that please. time. Let's go back to the start of the episode. This is the part of the show where we go back and we look through all of the small details, the things you might have missed, the hidden meanings behind certain things, and we give them all to you on a plate for you to enjoy. Because sometimes there's so much going on in the plot, you just can't catch them all. This isn't Pokemon after all, Michael. This is Podcast Horseman. Anyway. Let's go back to the beginning, shall we? Let's go to Bojack Horseman's house. There's a few observations here. We've got I just thought, a brilliant one to begin with. We saw all the work going on at the house as the Cabra Cadabra is being put into place. And there's a woodpecker, Michael, who's working on the house. And you obviously in this, the gag you expect here is that the woodpecker will be using his mouth to make all of the holes in the wall. But no, he's just got a drill where he's just drilling into <laughs> the kitchen bar side. Because sometimes, Michael, it's the other way around in this world. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Cabra Cadabra, though, loved the way that as soon as Emily picked up the phone, she said, Cabra Cadabra, we want to reach out and grab you. <laughs> <laughs> the one the one function of this cab company is supposed to provide a safe space for women to drive in and be able to be transported between by other women drivers. And unfortunately, quoting Steve Miller Band at the worst time is probably not the way they're going to get with this one. That slogan is a catastrophe. <laughs> it's a catastrophe. <laughs> brilliant. Uh, there's also another brilliant gag here where Mr. Peanut Butter is shouting in the background. He says, hey, can you toss me the thing? Hey, can you toss me the thing, he says. And out of nowhere, someone just throws a tennis ball in the air <laughs> to which he catches it in his mouth and then says, no, no, the other thing. <laughs> Magical stuff. One of my favourites, though, I will tell you now, we're just four into horsing around here. This is one of my favourites from the episode, Michael. Bojack has got a new painting on his wall. I don't know if you noticed it at all, but he's got a beautiful painting on the wall, and it's of a sunset, but it's not just any sunset, Michael. It's a sunset where the two bits of mountain in the in the distance look like a pair of ass cheeks, Michael. Can you remember, <laughs> can you remember that at all? It's starting to ring a bell, yeah. 
It should do, because that is from season one, or it certainly looks like the view from season one, episode three, Prickly Muffin, when Bojack and Sarah Lynn are staring out into the sunset to see this beautiful, beautiful view. And she says that she saw the mountains that looked like an ass, which reminded her that Herb Kazaz has ass cancer. So there you go. <laughs> Bojack enjoyed that moment so much that he's now got a painting of it on his wall. Very nice. So, also, the U-Haul guys, U-Haul, spelled E-W-E, of course, in this in this fictional world of, of Bojack Horseman, we noticed that one of the guys is the Willie Nelson-looking convict who we've seen. Ah, couple, yes. The guy who was in prison with Todd. He's back again, maybe on the straight and narrow, finally now at this point. He's, he's working for U-Haul. Hopefully, he can turn his life around. I highly doubt it. Um, <laughs> We go to the LA Gazette, as you pointed out, and the first person who is on the phone, the temp or the PA, whoever it is, is a little mole person, isn't it, who's on the phone and talking to Bojack. And I just thought it was brilliant because when you work in an office, Michael, what do you do? You get pictures of your family, you get pictures of your house, and sometimes you just put them on your wall for people to see. And the mole has on the background just this amazing shot of like tunnels underground, which is (laughs) presumably his home. But it's just a wonderful shot and a great gag in itself. We then move into George Tickle's office, as you mentioned, (laughs) another character who is within the LA Gazette. And he's got a brilliant poster on his wall. We've all, of course, seen the cat hanging from the washing line that's saying, like, hang in there or whatever. Well, this is a slight twist on that. This is just a mega jacked cat who's got muscles for days. And it basically says, hang in there. And the cat's name, it's an advert for Manx Power Gyms. <laughs> <laughs> Much like Max Power, I would assume, a Manx, of course, being a cat, Michael, if you didn't know already. He's also got a brilliant sales chart, has George Tickle. Uh, he sort of tricked himself into thinking that things have worked. I think he might have got this chart from Vincent Adultman, actually, because it's a sales chart, but he's turned it on its side so that the downwards, the downwards trajectory of sales now looks like an upwards trajectory <laughs> of sales. Very good indeed. I wish it worked like that in real life. We go into the closer's office, though, Michael, and this is where my favourite bits from the LA Gazette can be found. On the closer's desk is a little, a little glass box, and on the glass box is a stone... And a little label that says the Blarney Stone. Now, do you know what the Blarney Stone is, Michael? Oh, I thought I did. That thing in Ireland that you kiss for luck or something? Is that it right? It is indeed. It's the little stone. The Blarney Stone is a block of carboniferous limestone built into the battlements of Blarney Castle. And Blarney about eight, eight kilometres from Cork Island. But according to the legend, Michael, if you kiss the stone, the person who kisses the stone is endowed with the gift of the gab, which of course, ah, very good. Is of course, the magic power that the closer has in this episode. Wonderful stuff. Who in that office, I say in the office, who in the writing offices of Bojack Horseman knows about the Blarney Stone? I'd like to know who was the one who decided about that. I mean, as we're recording this social distance, we can't endorse any listeners that could to go out and kiss the Blarney Stone right now. Do not That's go and kiss the Good Blarney. advice. If you, if you listen to this in 2025, I really hope that you are, and I really hope that you can. Um, maybe fine, but if you listen to this in 2020, don't go kiss that stone right now. Just stay Whatever up. Whatever the opposite of kissing the blind stone is, do that, and you'll probably be safe. That's probably a good shout. Sorry, also, I'm busting, busting some pretty dark opposites at this point. Let's move on. <laughs> also, just a quick thing that I enjoyed here. I just thought it was very notable. In a show we talk about so many times where women don't often get to be in positions of power very very obviously, we had the vice president of the LA Gazette, Betty Bruce, who was, of course, a black woman in position of power, mm-hmm. even, 
even more notable, I'd say, in Bojack Horseman, the show, um, which I thought was great. And a, and a closeout, of course, being a woman herself, two strong female characters who were leading the company. I thought that was very interesting. The fact that the LA Gazette is on its arse, let's not talk about that. That's not what's <laughs> on. I was more impressed by the fact the show did this. Anyway, we get the opening credits, and then when we, when we return, we will find Bojack, who's outside of his house. As you mentioned, it has a glass of iced water dropped off to him by a little dr- a drone with a smiley face in it. The drone is called Johnny, although Johnny is an acronym. It's J.O.H.N.N.Y. I don't actually have the thing that it's for, but I thought it would be fun if anybody who's listening would like to send us their suggestions Ooh, about yeah. what Johnny could stand for on the closer's special drone that she sends to Bojack to bring him ice. So all of your thoughts on a postcard at Podcast Horseman on Twitter or Instagram. Would love to hear your thoughts on that because genuinely, I don't think there was one. I think that's the whole purpose of this. Ah, nice. I like that. So let's so let's go and dive in and have a think about what that might be. Anyway, back to the LA Gazette. Um, brilliant bit. This you mentioned, of course, we have Bojack's profile comes up on the computer in the LA Gazette on the closer's desk. Just a few tidbits that I managed to pull from it. We have the photo of Bojack, which what else was it going to be for Bojack's profile photo is, of course, the famous picture of him sneezing on Marissa Tomei that's been cropped and used <laughs> in so many other things. Nice bit of trivia for you, which did actually technically appear in Bojack Horseman in Season 1, Episode 9, Horse Majeure, when Bojack got his jury summons letter, as you'll recall. But I am an idiot and wasn't paying attention back then. So I'm going to give it to you now because Bojack's address, we are given Bojack's full address of where ah. he is, which is 1475 Look Hoof Avenue, Los Angeles, California, with the area code 90046. So there you go. Just a little bit of trivia for you. But also, Michael, if you'd like a few more interesting stats on Bojack Horseman, let me give them to you. His subscription length for the uh, LA Gazette is six months plus. Subscription type was home delivery slash digital access slash smoke signal. <laughs> <laughs> His date of birth, of course, we know this already, January 2nd, 1964. He is a male species, a horse. Breed is grayed in brackets, thoroughbred cross. A little bit more information on there. The color of him is medium bay. Markings, he has a star and a slash snip. We also have his weight being 1,200 pounds. <laughs> uh, his, height, his height being 19.75 hands, which <laughs> I thought was great. Uh, confirmation, book knee, it says splay foot, neck, wall eye, pot belly, and a sweet tooth, which, as we know, is all very accurate yeah. indeed. Temperament, 9 out of 10, it says, with the added notes, spooky, stubborn, unpredictable, and substance abuse. <laughs> <laughs> Tack preference is English. His sire is Butterscotch Horseman. His dam is, of course, Beatrice Horseman. His relationship status, not available. And sexual partners, over 100. It doesn't specify, <laughs> but says over 100. So there you go. A nice, intense breakdown of Bojack from the LA Gazette's profile. Terrifying to think how they got all that, but I ask no questions. Anyway, over to Mr. Peanut Butter's house. And of course, as you mentioned, the spaghetti strainers are still in play. He still doesn't know why they're there. But as it happens, in his house, we keep seeing him find new ways to use them. Last week, I think it was, or maybe two weeks ago, he was eating popcorn out of it while watching <laughs> Bones. Oh, no, watching 
No, yeah, it was Bones. Yeah, it was Bones. By yeah. watching Bones on the TV. Well, this time, the spaghetti strainers are now being used as a fruit bowl in his house. And he's just got <laughs> a fruit inside there. Brilliant. And, as you mentioned, Todd and Emily, while they were doing their little um, idea pitch to Mr. Peanut Butter, and later on in the episode, I just thought it was a wonderful touch. They make all of the car sound effects as they're getting in the car, putting the seatbelts on, driving around, every little thing that makes a noise, they do them in the episode and they do it seriously too when they have the serious conversation later on as yes. Emily and Todd are getting in and out of the car they're taking off the seatbelts and they're leaning on the invisible car as they talk <laughs> to each other it's a brilliant gag if you didn't spot it then go back and watch it a great bit of attention to detail anyway we go back to Bojack's house once again and just a few interesting quotes that I pulled out from his conversations here with the closer he's talking about the fact that he slept with Emily and he's on the phone and says I don't know I was lonely she was there why does anyone have sex with anyone? Which <laughs> obviously goes flies completely in the face of the bit I said earlier when he's trying to have connections with humans, but never mind. <laughs> uh, the delivery man who gives Bojack his parcel in the middle of this is from Fed Ox. I think we've mentioned that before. Of course, that's FedEx in this world. And I just thought this was even more notable. The closer, this one a little bit more serious. But she was when she's talking, and you mentioned the psychoanalysis she gives us on Bojack. She says... When you do bad things, you have something you can point to. When people eventually leave you, it's not you, you tell yourself. It's that bad thing you did. Do you often keep people at arm's length? Or are you afraid of being known, unknowing, and knowing others? Which I just thought, God damn it, man. The clothes are good, isn't she? She's pretty good. She knows what she's talking about. She's got a good handle on it. Anyway, back to Mr. Peanut Butter's house. Diane telling her story about why she was late for work. Here is... One of the most ridiculous bits in this episode, you will recall, she talks about uh, her friend's uh, thing that she's donating money to, which is why she ends up being late for work. Well, let me dive into it, shall we? Because the thing that Diane has on her laptop is called Ham Trapeze. And it's, as you'll see in the tags, of it's um, Ham Trapeze is a stop motion film exploring the issues of education, entertainment and animal welfare. And the, the director, who is presumably Diane's friend, says, while my style is often compared to that of Luis Buñal, which is Luis Buñal being a famous Spanish and Mexican filmmaker, she says, my approach is actually quite cerebral. Then underneath you can see a bunch of donations and what that donation will get you. You see for the donation of $200, um, oh no, sorry, you see the donation that she's made so far out of an $85,000 <laughs> Um, goal that she's got. She's made two hundred dollars to this, <laughs> and the options are as follows. It says, "Give me ten dollars, you'll get one emailed thanks. <laughs> Give me fifty dollars, you'll get one tote bag and one maple glazed ham coupon." <laughs> and then finally, it says, "The jump here, by the way. Give me ten. Give me fifty. Give me one thousand dollars, <laughs> and you will get one date with a pig." <laughs> <laughs> which seems a bit interesting to me I don't know where she's going to get the pig from but hey maybe she is a pig I don't know how do we know any of these things we go back to the market and meeting the Bojack is in though and um, he's talking to Lenny Turtletop about the fact that obviously it's when they're discussing the poster and which one did they want and Bojack sees the one he likes the reflective one and he says but yeah isn't that the point of the movie that anybody could be secretariat and how crass and horrible and true is it when Lenny says to him, the point of the movie is to make a lot of money 
and a win awards. And I just felt like that was so relevant in an episode, <laughs> a whole season, really, where Bojack's whole purpose at the moment is to try and chase down an Oscar that he doesn't really deserve, truth be told. Um, we go into the car park where Bojack is obviously making sweet, sweet love to Anas Bonacopera in the car. The license plate of the car is M-V-I-E-S-T-R, which, of course, is the abbreviation for movie star, which Bojack has now graduated to. And he talks about his relationship with Anna on the phone to the closer, in which he says in a brilliant little gag, he says, it's complicated. If our relationship was a Meryl Streep movie, it would be doubt. (laughs) 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 Which is, of course, a wonderful gag on the fact that Meryl Streep has two films. Well, she has many films, but two of them being it's complicated and doubt, of course. (laughs) Uh, The Escape from L.A., Bojack's Boat. Now, this has got some absolutely hilarious hilarious things kicking around. We, of course, are looking at Margot Martindale, who's been hiding out on the boat, and has just got a bunch of supplies left there that she's they've kept her alive. She's been stealing from Bojack's fridge. To name a few, Michael, some of the highlights. One of them is porcupine spine patty, which, what is, what is that? Porcupine spine patty sounds quite, it sounds hazardous, I think is fair to say. <laughs> There's also a thing called jock gel. What is that? What is jock gel, Michael? I don't, I don't know what that is. But my personal favourite, massive tubs, Michael, of Matt's Big Mayo. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just absolutely ridiculous. Matt's Big Mayo is just a tin of stuff I was not ready for and has just caught me off guard and popped me stupid. But also, <laughs> <laughs> oh, amidst, amidst all of the chaos inside of this boat, she also has a box of wigs because obviously it's Margot Martindale. She's got to be prepared for anything. But also a wonderful tie-in. As you mentioned, she's been on the lam since season two, episode nine. Of course, the heist episode where they go to get the shot for the episode, mm. eh, for the film Secretariat as they're filming it. But uh, you'll remember inside all the chaos of the gunfight that's going down in there, they are in fact in an art gallery at one point. And one of the paintings that you can see in the art gallery is the painting by George Rodrigue, uh, Blue Dog, it's called. And that that painting is actually sat in the background, tucked away. Margot obviously decided she liked it nice. and took it with her on Bojack's boat. Nearly there, just a few more here. We've got the La Jolla Playhouse, which is where uh, Margot Martindale goes back to be in a, in a play and on stage for a little while to try and lie low. You will, of course, see that the name... <laughs> the, the name on the sign for that particular play, it says character actress Margot Martindale in The Bitches of Blushing Hill Boulevard, which is <laughs> quite appropriate, really. And uh, as we go back to the article, of course, we see that the San Diego Tribune have written a great article about Margot Martindale. She's getting a bit worried. But basically, the biggest takeaway here is that the headline is Margot, it says Martindale, a Marvel play. Just okay. (laughs) Life. She does also reference that she did a little guest stint on The Good Wife until to try to blend into the role, which for anybody who ever watched The Good Wife will know this is an actual reference to the fact that she was indeed in a little stint, a 13 episode stint between 2015 and 2016 on The Good Wife, which of course makes this show more, just, I was going to say more better. 
which makes this <laughs> better than the shows you like, of course. Just our well, podcast, our horse, podcast is more horse, better than everybody else's podcast. Say, just as well, podcast horseman isn't better than all the other podcasts you like. <laughs> but hey, anyway, we go to Anna Sponacopa's apartment and we're sitting on the exterior, as you mentioned, Bojack sitting outside with his bag, a very specific bag labelled Spy which we will remember from the episode, uh, I think it was season two, episode two, Yesterday Land, when he's spying on Alexi. Is it Alexi or Alex? The um, the other man who's also been in a coma and is a super <laughs> agent for the KGB, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and also, with just a little quote that you mentioned there, of course, finally to finish off on, on a, I was going to say on a high note, but it's, it's a really sad note. Bojack just saying that it's so sad when you see someone as they really are, it ruins them. And if that isn't the, well, one of the darkest lines in this episode, then I don't know what is. It's a sad one. It's, uh, but as I say, it's kind of nice that they give you that. And then he tries to, I don't know, he tries to make amends for thinking, doesn't he? The line, line in itself ends up leading to something nice, but I think ultimately it feels like him looking at his reflection on the post of Secretariat, almost, some might say. But, enough of my ridiculous speculations and deep dives. You've had enough of horsing around for one night, I think, but maybe, just maybe, you've got time for one last thing, and then I swear to God, I'll shut up about this podcast forever. Michael, I believe you would like to go first this week. I'll go first to start. It's just a really quick one. The runner in season three has not been Secretariat, but has been that Bojack has nothing to do with Secretariat. Um, from the moment he was effectively digitally edited out of the film and the robot Bojack completed the movie... Uh, he's been dragged on the Oscar trail by Anna. He's been forced into doing things by the studio just to get things done. And the mirror, the ad, is the first time that he gets any clout, gets any stroke, and it is greeted literally within the show with immediate disaster. Death, even. Actual death is caused by the one thing Bojack has been able to be involved in to do with this film. Um, whether or not that's foreboding about how secretary it goes, we don't know, but just it just felt quite poignant in an episode where Bojack tried to learn something about himself and learn what he might be able to do well in his life. The one trying, he tries to take an, like a modicum of control over something because obviously he can't over his LA Gazette subscription and it results in the death of another living thing. Unbelievable, isn't it? This happens so many. It's hard because he tries to be better sometimes. Mm. And every time he tries, like we said, the two things don't always line up. Just because you do something good doesn't always mean something good happens for him, ultimately. Yes. And he seems to be on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Where <laughs> if you do bad things, maybe you'll be okay. And I think that it's just more of an indication of just how truly, just how truly fucked up Hollywood is. Isn't it? It's just, <laughs> it really is. It's that bad. It's just so messed up, especially for Bojack. But let me give you some light relief, Michael, because this was my favorite thing I found in the episode this week. A little sneaky one. But you did catch it in the end. As you were talking about Bojack, as he was walking towards the papier-mâché head of Todd that he's seen, and he's obviously eyed up as his potential place to go and rest his head and get away from all the noise. You mentioned there's a lot of stuff going on with Todd and Emily in the background. Todd's mm -hmm. messing around with a stapler, pretending to put it on his head. They're all having a bit of a laugh. But one thing you might have missed, Michael, was as he's just about to sit down, we see a shot of Bojack. And what do we see? We see the back of the Cabra Cadabra sign. And what is on the back of the Cabra Cadabra sign, Michael? It's only the bloody logo for Smoothies, isn't it? Oh, get in. Get if in. If you all recall the, the, the wonderful venture of Mr. Peanut Butter and Todd, 
the smoothie, which was, of course, a smoothie that is a mood, and who's in a, and who's in a bigger bad mood than Bojack Horseman at this exact point? I just wow. love, I love it when we get these. This was such a subtle one, but if you weren't looking from the outside in, you would never have spotted it. And I really love that I caught it at the last minute. So there you go. Tremendous. I, be- I believe those. That's everything I've got from Horse Around. Everything we got from our one last things. So let's just quickly fly ahead and just promo the podcast just before we head off. As always, you can follow this podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. Please do send us all your thoughts on this week's episode and any other episodes you've enjoyed, anything you've enjoyed within the show, Bojack Horseman. Up until this point, of course, we are a spoiler-free podcast, so we can only really talk about the things that have happened up to where we are on the podcast, but we're happy to talk about them and talk ourselves horse about that talking goddamn horse. Michael Hamlet. But if you'd like to follow either of your hosts, you can also do that. You can follow me on Twitter at it's Adam Nicholas, or you can follow my esteemed colleague, although he's not here today, but you can also follow Michael Hamlet. <laughs> At Michael Hamlet, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure, never a job. Um, you can listen to this. <laughs> you can listen to this podcast just everywhere and anywhere. Please um, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, subscribe on Acast. Check out the app Podcast Horseman Twitter feed every Friday, where a new episode drop will the uh, Acast link embedded within it. Um, anyway, you can find me on them. And we would love you to leave us a five star review and some feedback. Every podcast you've ever listened to is asking. There are reasons for this, and it's not because we make any goddamn money out of this. It just gets us up in charts, it gets more people listening, gets more people talking themselves horse about the talking horse. And ordinarily, we would be inducting somebody into the Hollywood Talk of Fame for leaving one of those five-star reviews. But for season three especially, we are rewarding one lucky retweeter. Again, just a reminder, if you retweet the episode link every Friday, post at that podcast horseman, you'll get entered into a random prize draw uh, where you two could be inducted beautifully through one of Adam Nicholas's fine stars into our Hollywood Talk of Fame. So... Shall we roll the drum yet again? You ready? Oh, please do. It's become a fan favourite, this. <laughs> the fan, the fan, by the way, is me. <laughs> <coughs> and, let me take that draw out. The winner, the inductee in this week's Hollywood Talk of Fame is Sharoz Ahmed. Thank you very much, Sharoz Ahmed. Um, you are at Sharoz Ahmed 2 on Twitter, but you will always be our number one. Thank you for the retweets and the support of the podcast. A star on the Hollywood Talk of Fame will be coming to you soon. Absolutely wonderful stuff. And thank you to everybody who continues to do that. Genuinely, the retweets do help. It's been a fun thing to do this season, just to change things up a little bit. And if you have any suggestions as well, by the way, for mixing things up, why not suggest them to us? I mean, we might completely ignore them, but hey, it's always (laughs) nice to send a tweet anyway and get in touch with one another anyway. With that said, let me just quickly give you the synopsis for next week's episode, shall we? Because we are up to Season 3, Episode 8. We are getting mm. through these like nobody's business. And this one is called Old Acquaintance. Bojack is up for a part in David Pincher's latest film. Sounds familiar. Diane meets Mr. Peanut Butter's brother. Ooh, that's going to be interesting. And Todd takes the business in a new direction. That all sounds very exciting indeed, very interesting, but you will have to come back next week to find out all about it. And before we sign off, Michael, I guess you could call me Meryl Streep because we are off into the still of the night. That <laughs> is it for this week's episode of Podcast Horseman. I've been Adam Nicholas. I will never, ever, ever, ever be the Iron Lady. Oh, my goodness. And that is plenty, I think we can agree. Another Meryl Streep film, just in case you haven't got that one. And this has been Podcast Horseman.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.